0: Welcome to the EQ Podcast. Welcome to the EQ Podcast, a show focused on equipping ministry leaders within the Calvary Chapel Association in the Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Zach Lamberson. And with me today is Pastor Steve Winery of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and we're very excited to have a very special guest, Pastor Don McClure of Calvary Way Ministries. We uh, did this interview with Don, and it was just amazing to hear Don's stories and to just connect with him on so many levels and what God was doing during the Jesus Revolution as well as today. And so we ended up having way more content than we needed, and so this is going to be a two-part episode uh, Don is going to begin by explaining kind of the origins of just what was happening during the 60s that led up to the, if you will, the events that transpired to allow for the Jesus Revolution to take place and for the movement of the Holy Spirit just to work in that. What was going
1: on in the 1960s anyway, because they weren't alive then, and so they're unaware of it. It was the backdrop of a, of a great spiritual work that happened back then. But uh, I was alive, of course, for that, and uh, during that time, I was a junior in college when I got saved uh, at the Billy Graham crusade. But at the time, though, to kind of put some things in perspective, uh, the country was in tremendous chaos uh, at the time. Uh, When when the Vietnam War was going on, there was tremendous anti-war things going on all over the country. There was Jane Fonda and all the marches that she could have going on. The Chicago 7 at the Democratic National Convention. And I don't know a couple were killed or something. They burned up a lot of stuff then. And uh, Kent State, uh, the government. I don't know how many were killed at that, but a huge thing that happened at Kent State University, anti-war thing. Uh, going on. There was a huge, you know, racial thing going on. Martin Luther King, he was getting tens of thousands, uh, maybe hundreds of thousands, I don't remember, in in some of their marches. He was trying to be peaceful, which by and large, it was somewhat, but there was also the Black Panthers, there was the SLA, the Simeonese Liberation Army, very political, hostile uh, things going on, that some of them were very, very brutal uh, things going on with it. There was also the feminist movement, uh, Gloria Steinem, and uh, all of these radical things going on within women and the women's lib uh, movement going on. The economy was in crisis. Uh, I think prime rate went up to close to 19.5% or something like that. I remember I was excited when I got a home loan for 9.5% and myself, but the uh, uh, there were sit-ins that were going in all over the country, uh, uh, going on in state houses, city, congressional places, where they would literally go in in massive numbers, just sit in the halls, sit in the offices. They wouldn't leave the offices of the of Congress people and senators and trying to stop the government or force, you know, things that they wanted. Uh, so there was all sorts of student marches, marches and peace marches going on. Uh, there was, of course, Watergate, having a complete distrust in government, with all of the things that happened with Richard Nixon having to step down, and of course, there's the moral, the sexual revolution uh, that was uh, was going on. Drugs were everywhere. Uh, Timothy Leary, who was a professor at Harvard University, had this big thing on LSD, and uh, tune in. I can remember tune in. Turn on, drop out, or something like that. Theme.
0: Yeah, that's what it was. The
1: yeah. whole thing of drugs—you got, you know, uh, this, this is, you know, just how to mind-altering things and do things right. And so, the point is, is, is that at the time, all around, people were losing hope. Where do you go? There's, you know, you look at a sociologically, you look at morally, you look at economically, you look at politically, militarily, you look at a war we didn't know how to get out of and uh, and it was everywhere you went but that's the backdrop for obviously a, a, an incredible outpouring of the holy spirit across the country now billy graham at that time he'd been going since i think late 40s but it, but during this time is when he exploded he wherever he went he sent He set records by far. He's had, I think, 20,000 more people at the L.A. Coliseum than any other attended event in history uh, in the 60s, Billy Graham had. And wherever he went, it was huge. Campus Crusade for Christ was on virtually every campus, a major campus across the country. People were coming to Christ in in huge numbers. There was young life that virtually, I mean, many, many, in the high schools, things going on, Uh, Youth with a Mission came kind of out of nowhere with Lauren Cunningham and YWAM, you know, and people signing up and going off and doing whatever they could. There was navigators that all these exploded. They were almost non-existent. Many of these campus ministries and other things until this was going on. And, And when that happened. It was uh, when when all the rest of the world's going on, you know, there was a phenomenal thing. And it was it was largely youth oriented. Uh, A friend of mine uh, named Stuart Briscoe is in heaven now, but he wrote a book uh, that is where was the church when the youth exploded? And he's kind of he was back east in Wisconsin, but uh, they were across the country. There was this tremendous thing happening where the youth had just become disillusioned. On virtually every front, and then of course during that time there was uh, uh, Woodstock, but then Campus Crusade mm-hmm. for Christ put on a thing in Dallas. Their alternative when they had over hundred thousand came out to Christian folk music. Uh, you know, going on there was huge. About that time, I went back to Colorado with Chuck. And for there had to be 20 to 25,000, kind of like the Woodstock type of thing that Chuck spoke at. I just went with him. But it was incredible. You just looked at this mass in, of, of young people, uh, you know, very striped and everything. they're just looking and hungry. It was, un, it was unbelievable in a sense when you look at it. And during that time, anybody that was remotely preaching Christ, I don't care if it was the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, the Methodists, the Episcopalians, the Charismatic Catholics. They were growing. Their churches were growing. And the Bible Belt was exploding. Uh, Chriswell had in Dallas, uh, Dallas First Baptist, he had over, I think, 40-some-odd thousand people uh, there. The Assemblies of God uh, were massively growing. And uh, growing so much as they kind of shifted a major shift within them, where they uh, started building Christian centers. If you you know every town <laughs> almost had had a big old building. Here in San Jose, during that same period of time, uh, the church here it's you know was was built. It's one hundred and fifty thousand square foot facility. It's incredible, but huge facility. There's another one here in town built during the same time that held three thousand the first Baptist church. There was another one down in, uh, uh, uh Los Gatos. I think had, had it holds about 2,500. They're all empty. And, but they, they couldn't build them fast enough or big enough here, uh, at the time, uh, they, when all this is, was going on. And so, um, it was, you know, and then of course in Southern California, there was Jack Hayford who was doing a, you know, the Foursquare doing incredibly. Had Pat Boone and all the you know, different Hollywood people, but uh, Promise Keepers, you remember those guys? <laughs> they were filling up stadiums all across the country, and there was this tremendous hunger. And uh, the PTL Club came out of nowhere, and then TV ended up and Jimmy Swagger to Oral Roberts, Catherine Kuhlman, Robert Schuller had his hour of power and built his Crystal Cathedral. Uh, Melody Land exploded with Ra- uh, Ralph Wilkerson. Teen Challenge, you know, Cross and Switchblade, you know, David Wilkerson. Uh, but then with that music, also Across the country, I'm second chapter of Acts back east was huge, tremendous group, and uh, Keith Green, Andre Crouch with you know to God be the glory a song that seemed like everybody in the country knew, and uh, there was going on Jack um, or Jack Hayford, Chuck Swindoll, his church exploded. He was at he free church, but it just took off. John MacArthur. Uh, and of course, Jerry Falwell, his thing really exploded. They got Liberty going by, you know uh, the school back there, and then he started. At the time, we got to turn the country around. He had the moral majority uh, that he was building, and uh, there figured you know something, we're a moral people. There, were the majority of our country is, are moral people, and uh, uh, but everything is. Uh, you know, they were exploding. Well, at the time, I was, uh, uh, I got saved during this time, but then I met Alan Redpath, long story to make it short, though I ended up going to England. And to uh, he, he invited me to come over there. He would take me kind of under his wing, and he taught in the school. I'd go to the little Bible school he taught in, which was life-changing for me. I had promised, both my father and father-in-law, uh, that were upset with me that I was going off to a Bible school and not a seminary, and uh, my father-in-law had very good friends, one of uh, uh, that he prayed with every week, and that were concerned for me if I did this. Wilbur Smith, Gleason Archer, Harold Lenzel, John Harold Lockengay—some guy—they were all professors at Fuller Seminary. It was once very fundamental, and but they went south, and so they. But anyway. Uh, they thought you've got to get a degree. Well, so I'd made a commitment that I'll go to England and then I'll come back and go to seminary. Well, I ended up coming back and going to Talbot. While I'm at Talbot, you had to be involved with some sort of you know, assignment of um, helping a ministry somewhere. And at the time, Hollywood Presbyterian church, well, thing, Mayor Henrietta Mears. I don't know if you ever read her stuff. She was this <laughs> incredible old lady at this time, but only who had was the college pastor there. And, uh, of all things, but uh, Forest Home and these other places she created them. But the uh, but anyway, the Hollywood Press uh, had this house ministry out in the San Fernando Valley and uh, it's here in Southern California. And the, and a friend of mine who worked with them asked me to come and teach. So I went out and I, okay, I ended up going all the time and teaching it once a week. And uh, it was a big old house ministry. It had 100, 125, just like thousands that we had at Costa Mesa. And uh, so we are uh, there. I'm going out there every week, and they're, they're just all young people. Just of you every know, type, some hippies, some, you know, everything, just like they were across the country, kind of, and it was just packed out. And I remember them at times, you know, that they went to some concerts down at the beach. And I said, what are they like? What are they doing? Because at the time, there was so many weird things. Shepherding doctrine, manifested sons of God. Mm-hmm. It was going through all the youth stuff around the country. So anyway, I end up asking them about it. And they said, no, they're really good. You know, they're really, so I didn't think much about it. Then my sister, she and her husband are going to this uh, little church. And they said, will you come? So we really like it. But would you tell us what you think of it? So, okay, so we go to church one Sunday, and it's Chuck, uh, you know, Calvary, and uh, I'll never forget, he's teaching on Jonah. And I still remember the message so well. He talks about, you know, the typical thing of going down, 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 you know, he ends up there and then throwing it, you know, throw me over. And, uh, and then he, he's got to be in the belly of the fish for three days before he finally decides it's time to pray. And was this mess? How far down do you have to go before you're going to pray? You know, and, I mean, just a classic Chuck, but it was tremendous. And uh, so afterwards, I'm walking out with my sister and her husband, and my wife, and we're walking out in uh, at the door, and she wanted me to meet Chuck, and so she says, "You know, Chuck, this is my brother Don McClure." Of course, I'm, my name's different because she's married. And she and he says, "Oh, hi, Don." Chuck says, "Oh, hi, Don." And uh, how are you? But he said it like we knew each other. And I told him, I said, I, I don't think we know each I don't think I've met you. And he said, no, I didn't think we'd met. But there are some kids that have been coming down here from the Valley House Ministry out there. And I met them and I got talking to him and I was like, what's what you like? And uh, they told me that the teacher was a guy named Don McClure. And so I just thought that must be you. And I said, yeah, (laughs) Chuck had a mind like this. I don't know what his IQ was, but it was off the charts. But anyway, so my personal involvement kind of started there. I was still doing these things in the Valley and still going to seminary, although frustrated with it, frankly. But I came back that we just talked for just a couple minutes at the door. That was kind of it. And then I came back on Thursday night, this is the little chapel, sitting at the back, just came by myself to check it out again. And I'm sitting like three-quarters of the way back or something, and Chuck is about to teach. And he said, by the way, he said, "But you know, before I get into the Word tonight, and he said, I'd like somebody just to share whatever is on his heart. Don McClure, would you come up? And I'm looking, <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there enough. I mean, who in the world is going to ask a guy that walked out the door on Sunday to come and say something? I, I mean, I'm, I'm stunned, you know, I, I, and then he, boy, no, that's you. So I go up and shared some. I don't I have no idea what it was, but the, <laughs> you know, you can't remember that, but that was, that was one of the Chuck's greatest strengths. He, if he thought he saw something to me, it was a huge risk ticker. Yeah. I mean, to me, that was a, you know, what, I mean, that, but that's one of the keys to I think what made uh, Chuck, um, you know what, uh, he, you know what he what he was doing. It's so so effective is the fact that he looked at people. He thought he saw something there within it. But um, at any rate, uh, then I he asked me to come in and, uh, and do something. I can't remember what else it was. And it was just uh, he wasn't even there for it. I don't think. But anyway, then they had a camp, and my sister, oh, we, hey, you got to come to camp with us. So we go to a camp, a weekend camp. Friday night, Chuck is teaching, and we're all sitting there. a Great time of worship, and he teaches. And then we're all going to bed. And then he, okay, here's the plan tomorrow. Lays out the plan, and he's breakfast and such. And then he said, our first session then tomorrow, Don McClure is going to be teaching us. I'm sitting there. I never, nobody said it to me. Everybody's looking at me. My sister, my wife. What? You didn't tell us. I said I didn't know that. You know, so I was up all night, panicked, trying to, you know, what am I going to do? And somehow or another, I put together something. But uh, that was uh, that was him. And so, the meantime, I'm still uh, doing, you know, in the seminary, still doing things in the valley, but coming down there whenever I kind of could. And, and, and but I uh, ended up talking to actually, Romaine, he had just come on, hadn't been on staff long there himself. And I, he and I kind of really hit it off and enjoyed talking to him. He was uh, very different than Chuck, he was a retired E9 Marine, that's the, the master sergeant, the highest you can go as an enlisted person. And uh, but anyway. And then, as I would talk to Chuck a little bit more now and then, one day just asked, "Would you, would you like to join, join me here?" And I said, "Like, but you, you know, we'll come on staff." And uh, again, you would think, "Well, you got you know, usually my degree was in business. You're used to sitting down. Somebody they're going through interviews, going through." Uh, you know, whatever it is in the business world, you fill out an application, you go through <laughs> some department in here. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of like it was not, I don't know what I thought it would be, but it would just seemed. so we prayed about it for a couple of weeks because actually my parents were opposed to it, both my dad and my father-in-law. And I was kind of a rebellious kid. And But when I got saved, the Lord said, you submit, you listen you know, to authority. And I, I had really done that well. In so many ways, and thought and honored them, and God had honored their wisdom. But uh, both my father and father-in-law were—they uh, did not like it. They thought, you know, they, they thought, you know, they'd never been there, but what they'd heard of it, it was kind of a youth thing, and uh, which actually that was not really accurate to me. But it, uh, but he uh, and my father-in-law, I think he had like five degrees. Something like that. He was from Mayo Clinic. He's a surgeon, and my father-in-law was a petroleum engineer and from USC, and his degree was in engineering. And they never would have had their careers had they not got their degrees. And I'll never forget my father-in-law. said, Don, you got to realize whatever you're doing, you're building your resume. It'll always be on your resume wherever you're going, wherever you do. And he and he said, Could you imagine me? There's a surgeon and Mayo Clinic, and you know, all the th- all the things that hang on your offices when you're a doctor. But if could you imagine if there's something on the, my wall that said that I went down to South America and I studied under a voodoo doctor for two years? How would you like that? He says that's that would be on my resume. And he says this thing you're looking at here it's I I, I it's concerning. And my father was the same way. But I said you got to come. The guy and a lot of people, you know, people usually at the time were evaluating Calvary when I got around there on the youth and basically the the things that were going on in the concerts. The kind con- we put the 10 up in February of '72, and uh, that's when there was a huge explosion of. But it was those were kind of like youth night. That was definitely, you know, the youth over, you know. 80% were youth. There were still plenty of adults there, but I would say 75, 80% youth. Thing. But, but a lot of people don't realize at the same time, Chuck is packing the same facilities out three times on Sunday morning. Chuck was really the foundation of this. And that's something that I don't know that, you know, I mean, Chuck, could, I'm sure he could care less then and care less now, but he, uh, he had he not been who he was, there would be nothing today without question. there was, you know, that was it. There was all these other guys around. There was Brad Baker out in Riverside, a guy. He was, uh, he was kind of like a Catherine Kuhlman dressed that way. Ended up sadly dying of AIDS. And, uh, but he had thousands out. I mean, there were so many characters and things that could get huge crowds because everybody in the country was hungry for something, but uh, but Calvary was was Chuck. Well, uh, uh, there. But and the but one of the things that, that with it. So when I came, and it's funny because I was I was never a hippie, and never my I grew up in just kind of a standard home, you know, and the family and everything around it, and uh, went to college, and I was a fraternity guy, you know, button down collar, wingtip shoes, pressed pants, you know, I mean that whole that whole world of just the, the fraternity college thing. And here I come in when Chuck brought me and I did not uh, fit with the younger people so much. I didn't think but it, that Chuck wanted me. But, the, uh, but anyway, the, uh, but by and large though, the, a lot of people don't realize that the, by far the greater percentage overwhelmingly were adults. that were like, and when my dad came and when my father-in-law, when they came down, they immediately, This became their home. They said, we've never heard the word like this. And they have been in churches for many years, evangelical churches. But this was like, you know, getting the word like this. It was just, in fact, my dad was sat on the board. I left in 75 to went to the Bible college. My folks came down in 75, Chuck brought him on the board. He was on the board for, with him for 30 years. My father-in-law was on like 12 years until he moved out with us. But the, uh, But anyway, I know we got to probably get to your questions you got, but I just I think the core of a lot of things that were going on uh, at the time is that there were so many things in the country. And that's uh, what I'm really praying for is right now. Our country has everything in it now in spades that there was in the 60s. Mm It is worse on. Every you pick one of those with the racial issues. The I mean, you look at the sexual issues, you look at here all the stuff with the trans stuff, you look at CRT. You, I mean, just go right down the list. You know, they make the 60s look like Sunday school, (laughs) uh, you know. Now you're just kind of praying, you know, Lord, are you that's what excites me. I love our past. I love mine. I love everything about it. But if we're also looking and realizing that I, you know, you just feel like, Lord, you're allowing this to happen. You raise up kings, you put them down. You know, why we got the president we've got now, why we got all these people in legislature, why we've got, you know, people actually stand. How do you have a human being, a woman, they're a doctor, sit in before the senate ask them what is a woman and she cannot describe it can't describe it and then they uh, then somebody else says a man can get pregnant and you're sitting there you think you know but the bible says last days god will give people over to a strong delusion i think that there is a delusion coming over our country it's unbelievable Mm. never before dreamed of in human history you know, I, I, this woman knew what a woman was all of her life—grammar school, high school, college, graduate school, medical school—up till about a year ago. She knew what a woman was, right. <laughs> and yet to say I don't know—yeah, yeah. something. What has happened in politicians? All a delusion. They're truly—are they just kind of? You know, you just, oh, well, all the while they just—they're a coward. I think they're delusional myself. I think that there are so many other things that God is lining up to where men are calling evil good and good evil more than ever in our country. And uh, so uh, that's what excites me about, about the world in which we're in now. Now in terms of some of the things of that's what that you, one of the things there's my bio you want and how I got involved <laughs> myself with Calvary. It was funny. I'll never forget one time I'm sitting around. There's Greg Laurie. And I think Mike McIntosh and Tom Sykes, by the way, a lot of people, you know, uh, when the tent went up, Tom did uh, Tuesday nights, Mike did Saturday nights, or was it? No, no, Tom did Saturday nights, Mike did, and they were packed. Thousands came to, came to the Lord during that period of time. Uh, that was there. Greg went out to uh, Riverside, and uh, that, of course, is history and took off. But, the, uh, but to me, when, when, one of the things you just, you see things in the country, where you just hope that there's kind of this spiritual hunger, like like God poured out in the '60s, and you realize He could do that. He could do that anytime. Yeah. We've mm-hmm. seen it. We were there for it. And so those are the similarities. One of your questions: What are the similarities between the world then and uh, and now? And in terms of Greg, it's my I when I came, I was 24. And on staff, Greg is six years under me, so he was 18. And uh, and he always had energy, always has, always, you know, foot tapping, something want wanted to do. But at the time, you know, I mean, if you, I, well, you've seen the pictures of him. But, I mean, he was a total, I mean, to the max, Alani, uh, you know, disciple. I mean, we're talking hair, we're talking Outfit. I'm sitting there looking at him, the Birkenstocks, the you know the uh, the. I mean everything. You know, uh, Lonnie had led him to the Lord, and Lonnie Frisbee. I've ne- I never. If there's one person in a sense I, I I could never figure out or care to be to be honest with you. Not that I didn't like him, I, you know. With it, I just could never, for some reason, to me, uh, not being a hippie and not being in that world at all myself and coming in. I just couldn't get at all a read on him because I think he is, as he? But he, he, it, with all that being said, he had a charisma like few people I've ever seen. There was something about Lonnie; he would get up and start talking, and and it, it, I mean, it, a lot of his stuff wasn't. It was heretical. Chuck had to deal with it, <laughs> and uh, you know, but but he had this the, the kids that would come out. And uh, with them, you know, the kids brought their parents, you know, and uh, within that, I think the most of the congregation when I was, you know, there was probably at least 75% adults and non-hippies. But the ones that were on the magazines, the one that everybody wanted to interview, the ones that all the press, and there was always, that's, that's the photo shot that they wanted. And, uh, but so, but, but Lonnie was, uh, he, he was immature he was a character, but he had, uh, I don't know if the zeal, passion, but a charisma, a natural charisma. Everybody, I think, you know, when I i used to, I, when I first got saved, I was following Hal Lindsey around. I had a great planet Earth. I mean, that's, and, uh, you know, I'd listen to these guys, man, I wish I knew Greek and Hebrew. I wish I knew archaeology like that, guy. or I wish I knew, you know, whatever, you know, like some speaker. And, but you look at Lonnie and I think, I don't get that guy, you know, but yet he's got a charisma and he had that, uh, no doubt about it. But the, uh, in the sense though, he could get up and just say, you know, we've had a lot of music nights. Have been great. We don't really have time for a message, but a lot of you people are here to give your life to Christ and get saved. Just get up and come down. That was his message. And they flocked forward. He said, wait a minute, what just happened? You know, type of a thing, or his message would be shorter. You know, but um, so he was—he was a character. He—he he, he was only there, maybe a little over a year, year and a half, maybe. And uh, uh, but uh, anyway, he kind of definitely was—you might say—the youth pastor of it. Greg, on the other hand, though, to me, he was his mentor. He was—he was. He was he's a smart person. Mm. He's, he's got a good intellect. He, 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 he studies. And so he, he, he's kind of interesting that he was always kind of around. He was never actually on staff. at those days. Uh, I taught Friday night. Greg came and did worship. He wanted first. He wanted to sing. And he had a guitar and I can't remember if it was any good or not, but the, uh, uh but he, you know, he wanted zeal. he wanted to do something. In fact, Riverside, uh, I was asked to go out there, Chuck. They had this huge thing going on with you. And I went out and looked at it, came back and said, Chuck, Lonnie, this is, I'm not lying, Greg should do this. This is, you know, and the rest of that is history. They came out and did it and it took off from, it was already, I can't remember what had happened. It's kind of got it started before Greg came. And, um, but, uh, but anyway, Greg, you know, because he was solid, because he's always focused, you're going to get the gospel, you're going to get it scripturally, you're going to get it straightforward, there's not going to be any question, what did he say when he's done saying it, and, uh, you know, he was he's always been very clear that way, so none of the other Lonnie stuff, you know, that lasted long, next thing you know, um in fact i'll never i did i tell you this i remember one time we're standing around and they they would mock me and uh all of them tom greg mike you know we were good friends but they but to me they looked at me and they're always trying to fix me they wanted to take me dress me you know and uh because they were birkenstocks bell bottom tie dye the hair all of the this stuff and I'll never forget, Tanya, we got to fix you, got to fix you. I, I'll never forget, I'm looking at that. I told him, it's funny because I've reminded them all several times. But I said to him, I said, I want to make you guys a promise. I'll break your promise right now. And that is that I will never be like you. But you will be like me. <laughs> <laughs> and they are. <laughs> if you wait long enough, your style will come back. But the uh, you know, but with it, but it uh, but it was funny because when I was there, here like children of the day, if you and these were kind of the premier groups who would love it. Here what happened with Calvary is I mean, there was, you know, all these different music groups. There was uh, what's the other huge music company that did a group bigger than Marinata was huge. I'll imagine they still are. Uh, Sparrow. No, not so. I'll think of it in a minute when a, when we hang up. If I hang up and uh, call <laughs> it, but the, uh, but uh, you know, Maranatha started of course at Costa Mesa, and but there was Love Song, Children of the Day, The Way, Mustard Seed Faith, all these guys and gals, yeah, and, really but the uh, uh, Karen Lafferty. Uh, I mean, just the list goes on and on. That had great. I think. She, uh, uh, Ernie and Debbie. Well, actually, Ernie Ernie Rotino, Debbie currently got married, but uh, in art. So, but anyway, the all these. But that was. I think the important thing to realize is that when you would look across the country, and you look at the what happened at the time, there was something huge going on, huge, and and the foundation of it was a country falling apart, falling apart. And the cry, right now, sometimes a lot of people, the cry is politics. We can we can get it fixed if we vote right. And I think it's realizing, not gonna work. And, and hopefully the church is gonna realize it's, I mean, I, on one hand, we're to be salt and light. We are to stand for righteousness. I believe we're to do all we can to protect our children, our community, or to speak to it. But at the same time, to realize though that uh, i believe the lord's coming soon i believe he's coming very soon and i believe when he comes there will have been 6000 years the number of men 6000 years of man's attempt to rule himself and at this point there's and they will have all they've all failed absolute failure there's only one government system that is on its feeble little knees left and that's western democracy and we're watching it go down. And I think because when the Lord comes, I don't think there'll be any society saying, Lord, if you'd have given us a little longer, we, we were almost got this fixed. We could have turned it around the world. You know, and I think, no, it'll be a universal realization. The millennial reign of Jesus Christ is the only hope and that he establishes his government. Man cannot rule himself. Mm-hmm. And we're watching it, you know, right around us, sadly dissipate uh, before our very eyes.
0: We're going to pick up this podcast next time, but we were just so blessed again to have Don McClure on this podcast, and he's going to continue next time giving us his insights into the Jesus revolution, the Jesus movement of the 60s and 70s. And uh, so I hope you guys can join us then. The EQ Podcast is here as a resource for our listeners. Check us out at eqministry.com, On our website, you'll find a variety of helpful tools, including past ministry conferences and a contact form to seek out help or counsel from seasoned Calvary pastors who want to encourage you in your serving or answer your ministry-related questions. Until next time, God bless.